X-rated movies. I am 50% of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. And I am the other 50% of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. Welcome, fair listener. Behold the glory and splendor that is X-rated. Do not be ashamed if you are intimidated by the glory and spectacle. I like what you got. <laughs> How's it going? It's all right. How are you? Man, it's uh, been a wild weekend. So I know that we often, like, will introduce these episodes saying that, uh, you know, we're here at the edge of chaos. And every time I feel like that's true, but I don't think I've truly meant it until today. Yeah. We're, 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 this is our first episode recording in a post-Nazi rally America. I mean... I know we live in a bubble here in Seattle. Very true. And I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, very military town, conservative place. And even there, everyone knew that being called a Nazi was a bad thing. <laughs> like, like, I hate reducing things down to memes. But that meme that's going around that says... You literally cannot be a Nazi and a patriot. We fought a war about this. The whole world was involved. And I kind of think, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) We literally fought a war about this. Yeah. Like, it was, and it wasn't even that many generations ago. Like, your grandparents could have been in that war. Yeah, there are still survivors, like, alive. (laughs) And I have to think, like, when these white supremacists think of World War II, do they think of America as the bad guys? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. Like, were they bummed with how it turned out? Like, is Indiana Jones, like, the saddest movie they've ever seen? <laughs> do they just hate Captain America? <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I, I think that a lot. Like, because I look at our entertainment industry, like, mainstream entertainment, you know... Uh, not even like Comedy Central, like with, you know, uh, The Daily Show, but, you know, Late Night or whatever that show that Seth Meyers hosts Mm -hmm. is called. Like, Jimmy Fallon was sort of neutral to Trump, but like Seth Meyers has been very anti-Trump for a long time. Yeah. And I just feel like that's very mainstream entertainment. It's very anti-Trump. Do they just not care about this large portion of I mean it's the it's the liberal media bias. <laughs> That's what we're getting there. But I guess there's just a huge portion of people that have just ignored basic, you know, entertainment, you know. Yeah. Like the Mar- Captain America. This is clearly not marketed at white supremacists. Yeah. Uh and everyone's pretty much fine with that, I guess. Uh it just it seems weird that there's a whole portion of people that do not partake in the most mainstream of events or, or entertainment. Yeah. And that they don't believe that everyone's created equal. <laughs> I mean, millions of people have been able to accept that fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're ready to move on into the future. Mm-hmm. But this group of people doesn't and isn't it's just it's mind-boggling to me yeah i don't know i feel like abject racism like that you know 
Do you even watch sports? <laughs> what do you do all day <laughs> besides just like hate, you know, in your home? Yeah, I, I was like, you know, sports for physical acumen, you know. Yeah. But have you not watched a Denzel Washington movie? I mean, you can't look at him and say that he doesn't have the same feelings that I do. <laughs> yeah. Do you not believe in the messages of the Rocky movies? <laughs> they just, they see them and they're like, that's bullshit. <laughs> oh. It's like, as somebody put on Facebook that like Trump is basically a Biore strip <laughs> for the world in that it's just like bringing to the surface all the nasty shit that's been down there this whole time that we're just, we're ignoring apparently or didn't know about. It's the Biore strip, but it doesn't actually, like, pull it off. It just brings it to the surface and lets it sit there. Yeah. Uh, America, we need to wash our face. <laughs> anyway, we had to talk about it. This will be a little, this will be coming out a little bit later. But, man, don't, don't be a Nazi. Yeah. It's dumb and old-fashioned. So did you watch anything? <laughs> I can't even pivot. Uh, I watched a not very good movie called A Quiet Little Marriage. Okay. But I I only watched it because it had it was sort of tangentially related to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. It's an indie interpersonal drama. Think Take This Waltz, but with no budget. Okay. <laughs> the lead actress is I think it's Mary Elizabeth Ellis is, is the name. The okay. waitress okay. from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Married to a really hot, sort of redheaded guy. Oh, okay. Um, Does he turn out to be the villain? No, they're both sort of villains. Oh, okay. And that was one of the reasons I didn't like it that much. It's like, am I supposed to be rooting for someone here? The movie wasn't very good, but okay. I did watch it. Not recommended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad, but, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it or anything. I see. All right. Thanks for the tip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't really watch too much. I'm really into Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> but you have this isn't? look on your face like you're sort of stoned. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's what I'm watching. <laughs> I mean, it's really good right now. The pay, It's finally paying off a lot of things that it's been building on for six seasons now, which is great. I didn't see last night's episode, but I saw the episode two Sundays ago, mm-hmm. and even though I haven't seen, like, three seasons of the show, I could tell that this is, like, oh, this is what the show's been building up to. Yeah, pretty exciting. This, this is what everyone has wanted to see for a while. If you were a character from Game of Thrones, who would you be? Like, not who do you want to be, but who do you see yourself? Oh. Well, I've taken the quiz, which Game of Thrones <laughs> character would you be? I think it was a BuzzFeed one, and I got Tyrion Lannister. Mm, I got Hodor. Hodor. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Odor. Anyway. <laughs> Who do I see myself as, though? Um, I'm probably Sansa, let's be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, ugh, all I want to do is just be, like, a lazy princess. <laughs> but I have to work <laughs> all the time. Now, see, I, I won't, like I said, I've only seen the first three seasons. Okay. Uh, all the way through. And then one episode for the latest season. Uh, but I always see myself in Daenerys. It's clear that she does not want conflict. She's willing to go into it, though, regardless. 
And then there's just, like, her need to, like, please all parties and how that exhausts her. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I do that. Like, I, I do want everyone to be happy, and I find it so exhausting. She's, uh, are all the characters, the thing that makes that show great is that everybody is a shaded character. Yeah. You can't love or hate them purely mm-hmm. either way. I mean, it is Lord of the Rings, but better. Yeah, way better. It, you know, it has the fantasy elements from Lord of the Rings, but it's, like, all the characters are much more developed. Uh, you know... And anybody who... And there's, like, female characters that are developed. Yeah. And the problems that they face, are, I feel, are much more interesting. Mm-hmm. And complex. Yeah. It's like uh, the trailer for Black Panther says, it's hard for a good man to be king. True. True, true. Matt, I think I want to take a vacation. A little road trip. To where? I don't know. A beautiful beach on uh, the Pacific coast of Mexico. Want to come along? Puerto Vallarta, here we come. Yeah! The movie this week that we watched is Itu Mama Tambien, the 2001 road trip movie by Alfonso Cuaron. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I'm pronouncing it, right? Yeah. Um, and Matt, to get us started, I brought something to that I felt was fitting for this Movie. Oh, little tequilas! Little tequila shots. Oh, thank you. I feel like it's a, um, an appropriate thing. Do we do we need a chaser? Yeah, I'm okay. This is a big shot, though. I was gonna say, cheers, cheers. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So this movie, this is the kind of movie that makes me excited about filmmaking. Okay. I see new things every time. Okay. Uh, I've only seen it a couple times, like three or four times now, but it makes me fall in love with film as a medium. Oh. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. So, it's been a while since I've seen this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember much about it. I, I was probably around 20 when I saw it initially. Okay. Around the same time that I saw The Motorcycle Diaries. Okay. And I think I confused parts of either movie into this. Okay. And maybe it's just that time has shown it, but when I first watched it, which was around the time that I, I first saw, like, Bad Education and other Gail Garcia Bernal movies. Mm-hmm. He is a child in this movie. He's only, like, 20. 19 or 20, I think. Yeah. When I watched it initially, I was 19 or 20, and I didn't even think of how young these people are really supposed to be. Yeah. Because they were my age yeah. when I watched it. And I see it now, I'm like, oh my god, these are children. Yeah. Similar boat here. I watched it when it came out, so I was only 21. And uh, so, yeah, I, w- I wasn't that far off from, from them either. And watching it now, yeah, I, that was something that jumped out to me was just how immature they are. Yeah. They're just... Farting in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of kind of related to them the first time I saw this, I think. And this time around was like, oh, you guys have a lot of learning to do. Yeah. I definitely was a lot more on... Uh, 
Luisa's side in, in oh that. where she's like you guys are children yeah <laughs> what's the line she says is like hang out with babies and you're gonna wind up cleaning diapers, diapers. yeah yeah when I saw Motorcycle Diaries I didn't think uh, Gail Garcia Bernal was that hot mm-hmm. and then I saw Bad Education shortly after I was like oh he's real hot yeah uh, so then I think that's what got me to go see this movie okay and I think I just must have gotten drunk and passed out. Because, <laughs> like, when I think back on my experiences watching this movie, I'm like, mm, wasn't as sexy as everyone said. <laughs> and I watched it now, I was like, well, God, there's so many butt shots, uh, to which I counted seven. Oh, I'm glad you were keeping track. And uh, there's so many dick shots, to which I counted five. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's only four boob shots. Yeah. Uh, so it's heavily skewed towards, uh, you know, male anatomy. That's true. Uh, and as you once so kindly put it, don't serve my ice cream in a tiny bowl. <laughs> uh, so you know, here we're getting we're getting a, a full full heaping helping here. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice large soup bowl size <laughs> of ice cream we're getting here, and uh, it's nice. Uh, I did not count the scene where they were masturbating on the diving boards as a dick shot, because those could have been stunt dicks. <laughs> too far out, too? Yeah. It pulled out pretty far there. Not, could not confirm real dickery there. Do people do that, IRL? Have you ever done that? Masturbated, you know, adjacent to a friend? On, on a, a diving, diving board? board? Not once. Okay. Let's check uh, Not against it. We got a pool. <laughs> I definitely did not remember the spunk uh, falling into the pool. Yeah, and I think that's edited out in some versions, actually. Yeah. Maybe I saw, like, an R-rated version as opposed to, like, an unrated version. Yeah, I've definitely... So I've seen this three or four times now, and this is kind of a side note, but the the version I watched today, there were some real problems with the translation, and I didn't Mm -hmm. know that there were different translations. You didn't watch the Criterion Blu-ray like I did? (laughs) I wish I had, because... This one was definitely someone who either didn't care or maybe Google translated. I don't know. There were a couple times when it was like, there were, there were certain things that were wrong. Like the very last scene when they're in the cafe and they're talking about their friend who got kicked out of his house because he's gay. And he's like, oh no, it's fine. He has a boyfriend now and everything. The bad version that I watched today said, doesn't even mention that he's gay. He just said that he got kicked out of his house and that he's happy with a girlfriend now. Oh. I was like, that's a really important plot point that they just, like, messed up in the translation. But, whatever. There's there's different versions of this running floating around. But the definitive one is probably the one you watched, I would assume. I would assume so, yeah. yeah. So watching this, A, it's sort of fun to see Quarong in his sort of cinematic infancy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because he's, there's still long shots in this. Like, he's a lot famous. of winners. For, for his, his oneers, you know, yeah. children of men, gravity, filled with them. Mm-hmm. And they're in this, but they're subtle. Yeah, and I think it actually works for the film. Oh, totally. Because you get to, when you're just lingering on these people talking, you get to actually see the environments that they're in. Plus, it, it's on the handheld camera. Right. So it really gives this sort of sense that you're in the room with these people. Yeah. And that these moments, you know, are unfolding in real time. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite oneers is when uh, she, 
Louisa finally goes down to meet the boys. And it's right after we get a bunch of scenes of, basically it sort of establishes Tenoch and Julio's living spaces. We get long shots of where they live and them in that environment. And then we get a shot of her, um, and but not really seeing what the apartment looks like. And finally, they, they call her and say, we're here. And she's like, I'll be right down. Sí. Vale, ya bajo. gets everything ready, walks out the door, and then the camera slowly pans over into the kitchen, and we see all these photos of what her life has been, and that there's a real personality suddenly showing in the apartment. And then it moves over to the window. great it's like maybe a two and a half three minute shot um but it just allows you it tells who she is as well as moves the story along sure so like it really works for the film i feel like yeah while i was watching it i felt like this is like indie like quotes around it mm -hmm. because I, I see a lot of films like this that sort of are good looking handheld camera but it's sort of those wonders that kind of put it above the rest. So it's like when I watched it, I, I was reminded uh, the the film Weekend kind mm -hmm. of had the same thing. Sure. And so to me, it was like, oh, this is like indie, arty. But what kind of made it is like the long shots felt like they had a purpose. Yeah, it it, it shows. The environment that they're living in. Yeah. And it allows you to look around these people. What is the setting? Because there is a part of me watching it today thinking that uh, he's really just trying to capture a disappearing Mexico mm. in a lot of ways, you know, like in, in a very documentary sense. Like we need this is disappearing. This needs to be put on film so that we can remember it. Yeah, cause, and it's because it's set against the background of uh, a nationalist movement in Mexico. They're, you know, while they're driving around, they see a bunch of, you know, uh, road stops or people being pulled over or, right. you know, authority figures, you know, commandeering or, or doing whatever. So, right. you know, the, the whole story is sort of set against a backdrop of sort of a changing political tide. Right, because it's set in 1999 and then the next year was the year that Vicente Fox won the presidency, which was apparently the first time that power shifted in Mexico in like 70 something years or something to a different party. Oh, so okay. it was like a big time of change for Mexico. Okay. And it was interesting. It's interesting to see that mirrored in the characters of Tenoch and Julio, because, mm -hmm. you know, Tenoch is the son of a politician, definitely yeah. upper class, mm -hmm. very rich. 
um, and Julio is sort of middle class. Yeah. Um, and then there's like when it comes to light that Julio has slept with Tenoch's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. The next scene is Tenoch grilling him, like interrogating him basically under harsh light while he's trying to sleep. So it's almost like he's the police state. Like that's how the, the established people would react to, to something bad. And then when it's found out that Tenoch slept with Julio's girlfriend, we get the shot of him in the car and uh, Julio freaking out from outside like a protester would uh, at someone who's like maybe driving through a group of protesters like spitting on the car and like, kicking it and everything. So it's like he's showing this uh, turmoil from both sides. I love this movie because it works like on that. it works on that level too. So the sexual politics here in America, people always kind of default to the Winston Churchill quote that if you're you know when you're young, if you're not liberal, you don't have a heart. Mm-hmm. And if you're old and you're not conservative, then you don't have a brain. And you y- you see that that you know when you're young, you know you're full of passion. And, you know, you want everything to change. And then the the adage is sort of like, then once you get some money, you suddenly become conservative and you don't want taxes. You don't want right. government interfering in your business and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and this, I always, I, I felt like they had their, their manifesto, mm-hmm. their 10-point manifesto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they tried to seem very sexually liberated. And they, you know when it came when the opportunity came for them to have sex with a woman like mm-hmm. they jumped at it so, right like, there was no hesitation but once it it came out that like they had sex with either, each other's girlfriends suddenly they became very conservative about it right suddenly they weren't as open-minded even though like they were a you you know they didn't have the girlfriends at this point or were cheating on their girlfriends because mm-hmm. they were clearly, you know, we see them banging the other girl. And, yeah. uh, but they become very conservative in those instances when it's like, oh my God, you had sex with my girlfriend, even though I'm not seeing her anymore. Yeah. Like, this is such a personal affront to me. Yeah. And it it it, it struck me as that, like they were all a little bit more conservative sexually than they wanted or would admit to themselves to be Mm -hmm. they get past it they get over it but there's still that like gut instinct that they don't like what has transpired and it illustrates their sort of outdated ideas of like that's my girl i own her sort of situation where it's like it takes louisa coming in and being like you fucking idiots like these girls are their own people. Like I'm my own person. Like just me sleeping with one of you doesn't mean that like you can get upset about it because I made that choice, you know, like give me some autonomy, you fucking assholes. (laughs) Uh, And she illustrates that for them by, by basically kind of spite fucking like, well, she, she like when 
Tanoch comes in, in the towel, and she's like, take off the towel, and they end up fucking. Mm -hmm. Like, I wrote down, I was like, well, what made her choose him? Like, what if, you know, Julio had come in? Would she have done the same thing? And then she says, she like, says, later, yeah. it doesn't matter. It would have been either one. So then, you know, later on, she's she like, to even it out, she fucks Julio in the car. And um, apparently, this is a fun fact, each this of those two sex scenes lasts exactly the same amount of time. Oh. Yeah, I, I guess he did that on purpose so that it was even... Um, they're both sexually inadequate equally. I know. All these sex scenes, I was like, God, like, they get it in and they come. I was like, no, who's enjoying themselves here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's just an illustration of their immaturity. Yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah. Um, but. I also wonder, like, th this is my cold star gay showing now. If you're having sex with a girl, do you not need lube or saliva or any sort of foreplay down there i mean if she's wet i guess it just goes it, right they in. really showed like they just like hopped in <laughs> dropped a load and then left at least with tenoch she's like oh i'm so wet do you want to feel how wet i am mm -hmm. and then he goes down and sort of sort of goes down well, on he, her for a he minute. tries to eat her out and, she, and you can see her he, kind he of... gets tapped out yeah he, he, gets, he gets tapped on shoulder. He's like no not too bad <laughs> I love it. That look on her face. She's like, oh, okay. This is not working. This isn't working. Come por favor, que no come No, ven aquí, ven, ven. But it's, it's interesting that, yeah, the, the, she's able to f kind of flip the tables on them in that area, being like, no, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are fucked up and you're little babies and yeah. you're fighting over bullshit and i this isn't what i came along for and i'm out bye they, like when they're explaining <laughs> the manifesto to her like they explain in terms like oh we're so broad-minded we're so forward-thinking mm -hmm. but did you ever see that movie closer yeah and it's like it's a movie about a bunch of people who cheat on each other yeah. and like they're all super sensitive to being cheated on yeah it kind of exposes that out of the boys yeah she's like no I'm the one who's liberated. I'm the one who's okay with it. Yeah. But you guys are the ones who are like, we have a manifesto about sexuality, you know, blah, 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 yeah. bro code. And like, she kind of just shows them for like the phonies <clears throat> that they are. Yeah. Which then you could blow up uh, to show that like that, any kind of government that like is corrupt, like these boys are like, what's mm -hmm. the point of having a manifesto if you're just going to be fucking with it anyway? Yeah. There, there's an old line and I, I just read it in like a book of like famous quotes or something like that so i don't know who to attribute it to and i'm butchering it but it basically said you can always tell uh, how corrupt a country is by how many laws they have <laughs> and i i guess you can sort of apply that to their manifesto that, mm -hmm. like they have these you know their their bill of rights for sexuality, yeah. But then they break them immediately, and they get up all in each other's business. While she's the one without the manifesto, at least to begin with, right? Like she makes one in response to theirs once they get, <laughs> once they get all like dick measuring on one another, yeah. Uh, and they literally measure each other's dicks. That's right, and they name their dicks. Like that was the, that was the moment when I was like, these guys are That's really immature. <laughs> Thank you. <Edward. laughs> Uh, did you ever name yours? Never. Oh Maybe that's God. a straight person thing. <laughs> uh, or a cultural thing? I don't know. 
But yeah, it's like the one that's truly liberated doesn't have all these rules. Yeah. Uh, and I love that it takes a woman to point this shit out to them. Yeah. Like, this is not something they would have ever figured out if they hadn't had this road trip. I don't remember if this movie passes the Bechdel test, because I wasn't watching for it, honestly. I was too busy keeping tracks of male butts and dicks. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> well, there's just so many. <laughs> but I really feel that, like, even if it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, it should be sort of seen as, like, a triumph for, like, at least a female role in a male-dominated movie. Yeah. Just because she, she is the voice of reason... And not in, like, a maternal way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like she's the one making sure that they're doing, like, the safe or the same thing or, like, not getting in danger. Like, she's just as willing to have adventures as they are. They're just, you know, all butthurt about some yeah. of the adventures. If I had to choose, like, a climax scene for the movie, it would be when they're all drunk in the fishing village yeah. and fooling around together. Yeah. And it's like, an it's it's a yeah it's a the climax of this movie is a threesome yeah a devil's like, three way yeah <laughs> you know and even in that one scene the climax is the two guys kissing each other yeah like that's what that scene is building to like that's how it resolves them kissing because the the uh, woman is completely out of frame when they do that's right yeah you know she. Goes down the implication that she's she's given a dual beach. <laughs> uh, but she's out of frame entirely. Yeah. So it's just the two guys. Yeah. <sighs> and it's uh <laughs> I guess now 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 that you've said that I can't get it out of my head to like make love not war. <laughs> But that's kind of, it's kind of it. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what she's preaching a little bit. And, but it comes from a place of like, I'm dying. So you don't understand how stupid you sound when, from my perspective, is what she's saying, basically. She's like, as somebody who's probably going to die in the next couple of weeks, you guys are idiots. Mm -hmm. And this is not what life should be about. I like the part. I like the part when she's like getting about to get the news about her cancer diagnosis, and she's taking the quiz in the uh, waiting room, and it says that like she chooses. The quiz was, "Are you uh, a satisfied woman?" Some of the questions are like, "I." She chose like, "I value today more than yesterday or tomorrow." I value time more than power or money. Blah blah blah. And then the quiz at the end like says, you are a woman who's not in charge of her freedom or something like that. And then it just says, Luisa disagreed and the door shuts. La revista la calificó como una mujer que vive temerosa de reclamar su libertad. Luisa no estuvo de acuerdo. I don't know. I, just, I, I like that she kind of is coming from that point of view. Okay. Yeah. You know? She's she's taking charge of her remaining life and letting these guys know that this is stupid moving forward. I mean, they definitely get over it because we the the final final scene scene is them in the diner talking about school. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, 
the one that has to go to the public university, has to start school sooner. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yeah. Summer vacation's over sooner. Uh, but they they clearly like work past their feuding and them being upset with one another. I mean, you see them working past it early on, like they're getting drunk at that little bar or whatever, where it's just like the three of them at a table while like yeah. the wait staff gets drunk. Yeah. You you see them working past it there, but it, it the final final scene really sort of says to me that like they they've fully gotten over it. They've officially moved past it. If we're gonna be fighting it needs to be over something more important than Yeah. Who fucked who. Yeah. Real fast while you're while you're mentioning the scene where they're drinking, I, I really love that shot. It's a it's a one probably the longest one actually in the movie. Where they're drinking and taking shots to various things, including the clitoris and um, boys in Italy that their exes are fucking and yeah. da, 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 da. And then she goes over to put the put the song on the jukebox gets the number and letter from them, puts it on, and then she starts slowly dancing back to the table. And she looks directly at the camera. seduced because she's doing the dance as a seduction right she's like i'm ready to bone these two and to have her look at the camera while she's doing that dance kind of seduces the audience Mm. i feel Mm. i felt watching that scene having never had a sexual feeling for a woman in my life including while watching this (laughs) i can't claim to have been seduced but yeah i think that was a i think that was a great choice it works for me. Um, I also like, uh, and I think this was sort of a popular thing in the early 2000s, is to like show how everything's interconnected. Inuritu did it with 21 grams and like, but like the idea that everything has, every life has repercussions on other lives sort of things. And like you get that in this movie where, for example, Julio and... Uh, to know if they're stuck in traffic because, and they, they're like, oh, it's probably some fucking protesters. Bleh. But then it turns out it's uh, some bricklayer who got hit by a car who, cro- who was crossing at a place that wasn't the crosswalk. And he did it because he didn't want to walk the mile to get to the crosswalk. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, he's just working, he's a construction worker building, you know, because the economy is making it so that he, this is the job he's got now, and it, he just died on his way to work. Ese mismo día hubo tres manifestaciones en distintos lugares de la ciudad. Sin embargo, el embotellamiento que los detenía había sido provocado por un peatón atropellado, Marcelino Escutia, un albañil inmigrado de Michoacán. 
Marcelino fue alcanzado por un pecero que conducía con exceso de velocidad. Nunca usó el puente peatonal más cercano porque su mala ubicación lo hacía caminar dos kilómetros más a la construcción donde trabajaba. Su cuerpo fue recogido por la Cruz Verde y llevado sin identificación al servicio médico forense. Tardó cuatro días en ser reclamado. In the opposite lane, or the cameras in the opposite lane, we're following them. They go and they pass this like truck with streamers and stuff flying on it. And in that case, we watch them move into the passing lane, come up, and then pass that truck and then go over. And then the camera slows down and then pulls up alongside the car as they're traveling. Yeah. And it's like normally when a character is driving in a car, it's in a like. There's a there's actually somebody driving it yeah. and it's attached to it and they don't you know the actor can steer all they want nothing's going to happen. Yep. It's fancy driving all right. But in this case they're actually driving. And like outside of the long shot I'm you know 51% convinced that Quaron filmed the majority of this movie during the golden hour. Yeah. Because every scene It, it looks so good. Yeah. Just the way that the light is hitting everything. Like, whether it's in the morning when they're at the beach or when they're driving in the evening, like, he's, he's only doing this during Golden Hour. <laughs> And it makes you want to go on a road trip so bad, it's doesn't it? It's so bad. Especially <laughs> one in Mexico. Like, yeah. I want to go to some crummy dive bar where I can get shots of tequila for mm -hmm. 25 On the cents. sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to go camping on the beach in Mexico. Yeah, I want pigs... To raid my yeah. tent. <laughs> And shit everywhere. Yeah. And then later, cause swine flu. I also have a note in here that pig shit is the worst smelling barnyard shit. How would you know that? So my family hails from Iowa. And my family had a cattle farm. Like friends of mine and like family members of mine who, you know, grew up in farm country. You could always tell the pig farmers, like, the kids came to school smelling like it. Oh, man. And it, it, it wasn't a matter of bathing. Like, you could shower, and it was just on you. Just as, a, as an exercise, what would uh, the equivalent be of, say, a pig farmer um, doing a tipping the velvet style uh, <laughs> coming-of-age story and falling in love with somebody and reach... Somebody reaches for their hand and says, you smell like... And they say, I know! Pig shit! Uh, they'd say, no. You smell like a... Ooh. Um, a chuckle? <laughs> Part of the, the pig between the tail and the anus? <laughs> 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 
though. That's cool. <laughs> don't think so. Mm. <sighs> you smell like home. <laughs> okay. That's, just, yeah. Just curious. Just curious. So, we've talked about the use of sound in movies before. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Whether it be sort of to portray uh, abstract emotions and say clean shaven, mm-hmm. or to underline the otherworldliness of it in uh, under the skin. Mm-hmm. But this movie uses silence very deliberately. Yeah. Uh, whenever the narrator comes in, there's you know maybe a second of silence. And it it feels random when it happens. It's jarring. It feels like there's something wrong with the film. Because yeah, oh yeah, it really draws your attention. Right. Tenoch pensó que nunca había visitado Tepelmeme, el pueblo natal de Leo de Garia Victoria, Leo, su nana, quien a los 13 años emigró a la Ciudad de México. There's no rhythm to it necessarily. Like you don't feel it coming. You can't spot it coming mm-hmm. uh but when it happens it's almost like you're shaking a little bit yeah it really yeah, takes you out for a minute it does feel like you know is you know is it not loading correctly yeah <laughs> uh i remember in the theater the first, i saw this in the theater for the first time i remember thinking that the film mm. had broken or the sound had broken for a minute because yeah it just it cuts in and it seems pretty arbitrary when the silence comes in and then the narrator comes in, often telling about like what's going to happen in the future for whatever we're seeing. Right. Or explaining things that give a little sh- shading to what's going on on screen. And it, it also serves to kind of give their inner dialogue. Leo encontró trabajo en casa de los Iturbide y estuvo al cuidado de Tenoch desde recién nacido. Hasta los cuatro años le decía mamá. Tenoch no hizo comentario alguno. And I don't know, I just I just saw parallels to what we're living through today in yeah. this movie, watching it this time around. Just this feeling like this this movie really kind of got it right, right out the bat. And um I, I feel like it will continue to do so. I feel like it's it's just one of those films that's gonna continue to be relevant. It's a very Mexico-centric movie that resonates... It totally romanticizes... Well, I don't know if it romanticizes. Maybe it accurately portrays Mexico. But I feel like the way that it showed Mexico was like the way that Woody Allen's Manhattan shows Manhattan. Mm -hmm. That it's romanticized all out of proportion. Uh, But like that's the Mexico that he sees in his head. Yeah. Uh, Or that he's trying to capture. I mean, it makes me want to go down and like drive... You know, up and down the the Mexican coast, and stop at little dive bars and get cheap whiskey and fall asleep on the beach. And I think he kind of even, you know, makes a comment on the fact that that it is disappearing by Chewy, the fisherman that they meet when they finally Mm. get to Heaven's Mouth. Because it says like he never fished again. Yeah, like, two, it, like two years later, that beach that he's lived on for four generations got sold and is to be turned into a tourist resort. And uh, he couldn't fish, so he moved in to town and couldn't find a job and ended up becoming a janitor yeah. at the resort, which is so sad. But it's like, that's just the nature of 
the world at present. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the fact that, you know, economic factors make it so that that existence that he had isn't sustainable anymore. You know, he, he might be looking at it with like a sentimental eye, but he's not look like a Quran that is. Mm-hmm. He, he might be like, this is, you know, the Mexico that I love, but he's not looking at it through like a change is bad eye. Like, it's not like some tired old man being like, young kids with your phones and blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's like, you know, this is Mexico I love and it's changing, but I just want to like get this down while I can. And in a way it's hopeful because it's like, he he says, if we can come together and learn to love each other, mm-hmm. then or you know whatever that means, like maybe we can move forward in a in the proper way. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. It ends it ends pretty ambiguous because guess who gets to check? <laughs> the poor one. <laughs> so full disclosure, I typically hate road movies. Uh-huh. This one sort of transcends what I don't like about road movies. I feel like road movies get a little too hippy-dippy for me. Mm. Uh, I just can't buy into a lot of that hippie philosophy. Maybe I'm just, you know, aged out of that Uh sort of mentality, Uh but I just don't buy it. Um, And I was sort of bracing myself to not like this one this time around. Mm. But I watched it, I'm like, no, it's actually really good. Like, the, the... the traveling element, like the the road element of it, really plays into these guys emotionally going from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Like they they leave on the road trip as boys and they arrive as men, and it's not because necessarily, you know, they saw the world, but it's because they had a real life experience. Yeah, and they did deal with it. Well, and the whole road trip is predicated on, like, let's fuck this woman. Uh And then they realize, like, oh, we're being children Uh in that. Um, And I know there is a criticism of this movie that it's like, and then that was the summer that changed everything, you know? (laughs) And it does kind of have that feel a tiny bit to it. But it's like... Sometimes... Sometimes you you have experiences that change everything just because it happened during the summer. I feel like that's sort of a lazy criticism, like, to to look at it in that way, because, like, it's true. It's like, it's like when I complain about Simon Garfunkel being too folky. <laughs> I only do it because I have no real criticism of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can criticize the movie for being that, but that just, it's just because you can't say that it's not that. <laughs> God, I like Tupac, but he's just too rappy. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I really love this movie, and it, it like I said, it, it's it's the type of movie that gets me excited about film in mm. general. Like, I really feel like this is filmmaking at its best. I, I can see that because watching it this time, just A, how good it looked, mm-hmm. like being more sensitive to how lighting makes things just look aesthetically pleasing. It was very apparent to me being more attentive to wonders mm-hmm. than, you know, when I saw it 12 years ago. <laughs> and then being more sensitive to things like, oh, there's sort of a cultural upheaval going on in the background to their sort of, you know, burgeoning adulthood. Uh, all those things sort of blend together a little bit more organically for me this time than I think when I initially saw it. Or, you know, I think I may have just overlooked things entirely the first time I saw it. 
so I definitely appreciated this more upon rewatch. Overall, very enjoyable. Good. Okay. I'm glad you liked it. I liked it a lot too. podcast where I feel like I feel bad for neglecting some directors. We haven't done John Carpenter. True. We haven't done a David Cronenberg. True. And we haven't done a Coen Brothers. So when picking this week's movie, I chose a film from one of those three. Okay. It was tough. I did to pick a director and then pick a film by that director. Yeah. So this might not be the best, and I'm still working out in my head which one to choose. But I think I'm going to go with the Collins. Okay. Uh, Miller's Crossing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've seen it a long time ago. Yeah, same here. All I remember is that they use the phrase hi-hatting a lot in this. Oh, okay. And I feel like hats have more symbolism in this movie than people really give credit for. I'll keep my eyes out for that. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with the Coen Brothers pick. Like, it's exciting to talk about one. And a, a lesser-known one. I don't feel like a lot of people know about this movie. Yeah, I feel like this one kind of... It's passed over, which is why I chose this one over others. Sounds like a plan. Our season four, penultimate season four. There you go. We're going to pull that five dollar word out of my hat. (laughs) Out of your hat. Uh huh. Good job. Are you ready to, to plug the junk? Let's plug some junk. You should start by following us on Twitter. It is at X Rated Movies. Uh, I would actually say you should start by uh, liking, subscribing, and reviewing on iTunes. Mm. It's, uh, not only does it bump up our stats that we're oh so eager to see get bumped up, but it also helps others discover the podcast. You want others to listen to this, right? Right? You don't want to be the only one. Uh, you could also send us an email at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Um, and like, like us or follow us on Facebook uh, at Rated X Movies. It's, it's sort of the best way to really find out what we're up to uh, at, any, at any given time. And if you happen to be a Tenoch type person with moolah to spare, you can throw us a few coins on our Patreon, which is also X Rated Movies. All right, so join us next week as we uh, dive into the Coens for the first time. We'll see you then. Miller's Crossing. Bye. Bye. Bye.